this is Bill Woods and I uh, wanted to take a little break this week. I've been talking about the end times. I've been talking about the mark of the beast. And I've got some things to say about that still, but I thought with all the bad news in the world today, uh, maybe it'd be refreshing if we just took a little time to think of something else besides the coronavirus and and uh, the different things that are happening, the mark of the beast and all that. And so today I thought it would be kind of nice just to talk about why Paul, the Apostle Paul, had bulldog tenacity. We read in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was always reliable. When he decided something was worth doing it, he went after it with everything he had. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, he wrote, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. And I would say probably Paul spent a lot of time thinking about those very thoughts. As a Pharisee, persecuting Christians, he hassled them with all his energy. When he became a Christian, he spent just as much energy serving Jesus Christ, and he threw everything he had into his ministry. Paul never settled for halfway. Paul always responded to responsibilities. Paul was tenacious. He didn't back down at the first sign of opposition. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepiness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. I guess you could probably say Paul's motto was, I've been beaten, kicked, lied to, cussed at, swindled, taken advantage of, and laughed at. But the only reason I hang around this crazy place is to see what will happen next. God called him because he had bulldog tenacity. Have you ever really looked at a bulldog? He looks like he was running full speed and smashed into a wall and flattened his nose back into his face. He's not pretty, but that gives him an advantage if he decides to bite you. He can bite, chew, and continue breathing all at the same time. He just hangs on and won't let go until the job's done. Paul became a bulldog for Jesus. 
No matter what people did to him, he just hung on until the job was finished. 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We'd get more done if we had more bulldogs with a little more backbone and grit. He who shirks his duties or looks for an easy way out will never reach his potential. Push yourself. Launch out into the deep. Stretch yourself beyond measure. Try. Paul forgot the things that were behind, the hurts, the mistreatment. Many people never reach their goal because they're wallowing in self-pity. They excuse themselves saying, I tried once and failed. That's the bait of Satan. One of the most deceptive and insidious kinds of bait Satan uses to trip Christians up is something every Christian encounters, and that's offense. Offense is, uh, itself isn't deadly. If it's left in Satan's trap, it won't hurt you. Cheese isn't deadly to a mouse as long as the mouse leaves it in the trap. We've had a couple mice around here this uh, winter, and I noticed that the reason they got caught in the traps is because they wouldn't leave the bait alone. It's when you pick it up and consume it and feed on it in your heart and mind, then you become offended, and that's when Satan is able to trap you. Offended people produce much fruit, fruit like hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy. Some consequences of picking up an offense are insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, and backsliding. Usually those who are offended don't realize they're trapped. They're ob oblivious to their condition because they're so focused on wrongs done to them. They are in denial. They can't imagine that they might be at fault for their attitudes. The most effective way for Satan to blind us is to help us to focus on ourselves. You can't avoid bumps and, and scrapes, but you can learn from them. You don't need to let them poison your soul. Then Paul guarded his mind. Every deed begins as a thought. Discipline yourself to do constructive meditation. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. We're exposed to so much filth today. The movies, the magazines, the radio, the television. Yeah, if you ever stopped and looked at the, some of these uh, comedies that they have on there on TV and, and compare them to what we got to watch 30 years ago, you, you're amazed at how much filth they move into these situation comedies and, and how they have to have some kind of an underlying dirty thought going on. Satan likes to lodge filthy thoughts or pictures in your mind and entice you to see more. You know, I just want to go a little farther. I just want to see how far they're going to go. Uh, you know, you don't needlessly need to expose yourself to filth. I was used the illustration many times about radio stations out around the countryside. We've got all these radio towers, and they're all putting out uh, waves, sound waves, and stuff like that, so that we can hear them. If we tune into the radio on the right station, the right frequency, we get whatever that uh, sound wave is that's coming from that tower. 
will see if you don't like what's coming from that tower, you can change the station. You have the ability to switch your thought life in the very same way if you want to. Mark Twain said, I can't keep the crows from flying over my head, but I don't have to let them nest in my hair. One time Abraham Lincoln refused to see a man because he didn't like the look on his face. And I mean, Lincoln was not a good looking handsome man. And somebody said to him, you, 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 you know, you're quite homely too. And Lincoln came back with saying, no, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the sourness on that man's face. Uh, it, it says there's something lurking behind. And he says, I don't want to see somebody with that kind of attitude. Paul learned to love. One of the greatest hindrances of spiritual progress is bitterness. If anyone had a reason to be bitter, I'd say that the Apostle Paul did. Remember when he was in the uh, uh, jail, the Philippian jailer was there. He'd been arrested and at Philippi. He, Paul and Silas were in there, and uh, they had had to undergo so much bad treatment. They had been beaten. They had been uh, put in stocks. They had been locked up. They were in the dark. You know, it was one of those things where they'd been falsely accused and arrested and beaten and locked in stocks. Anybody can sing in the sunshine, but it takes a real trooper to sing in those kind of conditions. And then when the earthquake that God sent came and all the cell doors opened and the jailer came in and he, he saw what had happened, he thought he was going to have to die because usually if a prisoner escaped, the one who was supposed to be guarding, guarding him had to take his, his uh, penalty. And so he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And when Paul saw the jailer start to kill himself, he could have kept quiet and just figured, well, this guy deserves what he's about to get because of the way he treated us. You know, bitterness is the most destructive luxury you can have. You can't afford it. Bitterness is an acid that destroys its container. You let go of the past. It destroys all our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with family, even our relationship with ourselves, and causes so much unhappiness. Because Paul was not willing to let the jailer kill himself, he was able that night to minister to that whole family, and they all accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, only when our service to God is motivated by love Will we succeed in reaching our goal of building God's kingdom? Without love, we're nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Paul conquered criticism. The best of men have been slandered. Reputations have been ruined and hearts broken by the maligning of others. The Jewish leaders opposed Paul and spread rumors about him. That didn't stop old Paul. He was like the ever-ready bunny. He just kept going and going and going. Dr. Bob Schuler was a fighting Methodist preacher who for 60 years declared war on the devil and sin back when Methodists still believed in the devil and sin. 
He had a long pastorate in one church and was going through a period of great criticism. He was sitting on the front porch one day when two dogs came down the street. The first was a big old bulldog with strong muscular legs and shoulders. He must have weighed a hundred pounds or more. His head was big and heavy. His teeth hung out between his lips. He was trotting sort of sideways in a lopsided way that some dogs do. About ten feet behind him was a little fox terrier about seven inches high. The little insignificant thing was gnashing and hollering and yapping and screaming, barking and shouting at Mr. Great Big Powerful Bulldog. He was scolding and criticizing something fierce. Schuler wondered if the big fellow was ever going to pay the little foxy even the respect of a backward glance. Well, the bulldog turned the corner and kept going, never wavered, never looked to one side or the other. Schuler said he went into the house, got on his knees and said, Lord, give me what that bulldog has. As bulldogs, we're capable of hanging on and winning, but we can't afford to be distracted by the little yappers all around us. If we're to reach our potential, we can't let criticism stop our progress. Somebody said if the moon listened to every dog, wolf, or coyote that howls at it, it'd never get across the sky. Paul developed determination. Determination has always characterized great men. Those who've been used by God have been willing to pick up the pieces and go on when all seem lost. Ezekiel 24, 15 through 18 has a story that I think is most remarkable. It says, Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke, yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence, make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head and put your sandals on your feet, do not cover your lips, and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died, and the next morning I did as I was commanded. Man, what a guy. Even though his beloved wife's death uh, happened, it didn't deter Ezekiel from obeying God. You know, if we're going to see revival, it'll be because we've given God full control. There must be surrender to God's will and a trust that God's ways are best ways. Quit nursing past offenses and past failures and, and turn things over to God. John Killinger worked on a big western cattle ranch. He said a little burrow sometimes would be harnessed to a wild steer. Bucking and raging, convulsing like great drunken sailors, the two would be turned loose like Laurel and Hardy running out into the desert range. They would disappear over the horizon, the great steer dragging that little burrow along, throwing it around like a bag of cream puffs. They might be gone for days, but they'd eventually come back. The little burrow would be seen first, trotting back across the horizon, leading the submissive, submissive steer in a tow. Somewhere out there, the steer would become exhausted from trying to get rid of the burrow. At that moment, the burrow would take mastery and become the leader. That's the way it is with kingdom and its heroes. The battle goes to a determined, not to the outraged, to the committed, not to those who are merely dramatic. 
Paul knew the scriptures. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Only as we saturate our heart and mind with the word of God can we find wisdom when we're confused, strength when we're weak, and nourishment when we're famished. Most churches today study and teach almost anything but the Bible. They cover how to get along with a wife, how to get ahead in business, uh, how to cope with outside pressures, how to invest in the stock market, and on and on. I read a note from the minutes of a meeting in Quincy, Massachusetts City Council. It said, Tuesday, the city's licensing board approved a plan to open a honeydew donuts at the cafe counter inside the $30 million YMCA building. It'll be the only honeydew store in Quincy, Massachusetts. Because of the wise focus on physical fitness, the vendor won't sell donuts, said Sarah Trubiano, spokeswoman of the South Shore YMCA. The new Sunny Dew will sell coffee, low-fat muffins, salads, sandwiches, yogurt, fruit cups, and smoothies. Uh, she said all menu items first must be approved by Y leadership. How ironic, a donut shop that agreed not to sell donuts. It sounds kind of ridiculous to me, doesn't it to you? Isn't that what we do, though, when we compromise our convictions in order to please the, the world? A donut shop should sell donuts. A believer should seek to please God. We ought to be pushing the, the, the message of salvation. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Paul had the tenacity of a bulldog because he knew what he believed and where he was going, and nothing was going to stop him. You know, we'd better figure out those same things while we still have time. The photographer for a national magazine was assigned to get photos of a great forest fire. Smoke at the scene hampered him, and he asked for a home office to hire a plane. While well, the arrangements were made, he was sent to a nearby airport where the plane was waiting. When he arrived at the airport, a plane was warming up near the runway, and he jumped in with his equipment and yelled, Let's go! Let's go! The pilot swung the plane into the wind, and soon they were in the air. Fly over the north side of the fire, yelled the photographer, and make three or four low-level passes. Why? asked the pilot. Because I'm going to take pictures, yelled the photographer. I'm a photographer, and photographers take pictures. After a pause, the pilot said, You mean you're not the instructor? <laughs> Be careful not to judge and jump in the wrong seat and end up in the wrong destination. Paul knew where he was going because he let the past stay in the past and he pushed on into the future trusting his God. Again, Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you pressing toward that mark today? Is God depending upon you and can you glorify him in the things you're doing and saying? You know, 
many of you have gotten discouraged as Christians and you just need to come back for a fresh dip in the in the and bask in the presence of the Lord. Many of you don't even know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I want you to know that's the most important decision you can make. We're seeing all this stuff today with our, our government shutting everything down and the coronavirus and all the threats and all these different things. And I'll tell you, a lot of people are frightened. They're very scared of what's going on. But I'll tell you also that a Christian doesn't have to be because God said, or Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, as your day, so, your, so shall your strength be. And so whatever we have to face, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, God will help you through. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. And I would urge each one of you, again, to repent of your sins. That's a turning around, a quit doing the sins. Ask Jesus to forgive you for your past. Put that in the hands of God and begin living the life that Jesus Christ wants you to live. Ask him to help you to know how to be obedient to him. And I'll tell you, you'll never find more peace, more satisfaction than you'll find when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm praying that each one that hears this will draw closer to God. In fact, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray today for people that are listening to this podcast that somehow you'll open up their eyes to see that Jesus Christ is the answer for everything that we have to face. And Lord, there are some out there that don't know you as their personal Savior. Help them to come to a place, Lord, where they don't just say the words, but they open their heart up and they say, Father, I'm sorry for my sins. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to accept you as my personal Savior. I want to start living for you and being the Christian you want me to be. And Jesus, please, as I open my life to you, I want to thank you because you died on a cross to forgive me of my sins and to save me from hell and to give me a place with you in eternity. And I praise you for that today. And I do accept your will. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, this is Bill Woods. If for some reason you would like to get in touch, my email address is rev wmwwoods at gmail.com. My mailing address is William Woods, Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And I'd like to hear from you. We would remind you again that, uh, you know, we there is still power in the blood. And uh, we have uh, been been designated as um, Church of the Galilean. We're registered with the state that way, and we do have a tax number and stuff. If there was any kind of uh, donations, they would become something that you could deduct from your taxes. And so if you feel so inclined and you'd like to help support this, God bless you. If you don't, we just hope that God will minister to you in any way that He you need him to, and we'll give God the praise. One added thought that if you do send some kind of a check or something, you'd make it out to Reverend William Woods and then down the corner put for the Church of the Galilean. The bank, for some reason, 
uh, does not let me open up uh, an account for the Church of the Galilean. It has to be personal, but that still counts as giving to the church. God bless you, and thank you, and goodbye.